I'm telling you this morning, the only way you can get to a place of complete submission and surrender to the call of God is you have got to encounter, genuinely encounter the presence of the Lord and you will never be the same. A few weeks ago, the Lord put it in my heart to start this series of messages that we're calling Dangerous Prayers. And each week we've been looking at a prayer that is quite dangerous for us as followers of Christ to pray. The first week I talked to you about a prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139 when he said, Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now listen, that's a dangerous prayer for you to pray because God knows things about you that you don't even know yourself. God doesn't just know what you do. God knows why you do and why we do what we do. And then last week... I talked to you about another prayer that we as followers of Christ have to have the courage to pray. And that's the prayer, Lord, break me. Now, that's a really dangerous prayer. As a matter of fact, I even had some folks come to me after church last week saying, I want to pray that prayer, but I'm afraid to pray that prayer. I'm scared to pray that prayer because I don't know what brokenness may cost me. But listen, if you want the treasure that God has placed within you to pour out, if you want the light of God and the life of God within you to be poured out so that you can make an impact with your life, then the first thing that has to happen is you have to pray, Lord, break me so that I can, that my life can be poured out to bless others. And God, that I can bring you glory. But today, I'm going to talk to you about maybe the most dangerous prayer that we as believers can pray because today I want to talk to you about the prayer that says, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. It's a dangerous prayer to pray because when you pray this prayer, and listen to me, I think sometimes we would do well to record the prayers that we pray. And I think that the reason that we need to record the prayers that we pray is because when we would go back and listen to those prayers, I think that we would discover that a large percentage of our prayers are prayers that sound something like this. Lord, bless me. Lord, give me a better job. You know, Lord, give me a promotion at my job. Lord, straighten my spouse out. I figured that'd get just a little bit of a chuckle. And, and for some of you, that's a serious chuckle right there. <laughs> Lord, heal, heal, heal my grandma. And, and not that those are not prayers that, that we shouldn't be praying. But what I believe is that we need to get to a place in our lives to where our prayers are not, God, what can you do for me? But God, what can I do for you? Yeah. Amen. God, what can I do for you? I call it the prayer of availability. And when you begin to pray, pray the prayer of availability, God is going to begin to direct and God is going to begin to prompt your life. As a matter of fact, God may speak to you and tell you to serve in a way that you never expected that he was going to ask you to serve. God may ask you to go somewhere 
that you never expected that you would go. Maybe God's telling you to stay right where you are when you were absolutely convinced that God wanted you to go somewhere else. Maybe God will call you to serve in a place of ministry that you never thought you would serve, like the nursery and our children's ministry and our student ministries. Come on, I'm preaching now, Philip. I'm preaching. Maybe, maybe, God is, maybe, maybe God will even call you to go from being a cat person to being a dog person. I told you, we're, we're praying dangerous prayers. When you go to the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, you will find many times where God was calling people to do His will and to do His work. And when I say that God would call people, I don't mean that He would get on His cell phone and dial their number and call them. But what I mean is that He would maybe give them a burden for something or a passion for something or a compassion for something or that the Holy Spirit would begin to prompt them in a, in a certain way. But I do know that when you go back in Scripture and you read about those encounters where God was calling people, you find that He got many different types of responses. Now, I don't have time to talk about all the responses that God got from people when He called them, but I do want to mention three of them to you this morning. One of those responses sounded like this. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going. And when I think about someone who responded like this, I think about a man by the name of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, look at this. It says that the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going. And the reason why he would not go is because he didn't like the Ninevites. The Ninevites had oppressed the Israelites, the people of God. They had been just downright cruel to them, murdering some of them, torturing some of them, raping some of their women, killing some of their children. And because of that, Jonah didn't like them. And Jonah sure didn't want God to have compassion on them. Jonah wanted God to annihilate them. Jonah wanted God to kill them and to wipe them off the face of the earth. And so when God called Jonah to go, that's why Jonah said, Here I am, but I'm not going because I don't like those people. I don't love those people. And he said, because God, I know you, that if those people repent, then you're going to be the compassionate, loving, good God that you are, and you're going to forgive them instead of destroying them. And sure enough, when Jonah finally obeyed the Lord and went and preached a message of repentance to them and told them that they needed to turn away from their wickedness. They heard the word of the Lord and they repented of their sins. And yes, God was loving and compassionate and kind toward them and forgave them of their sins and did not destroy them. And Jonah spoke up and said, See, didn't I tell you, God, that that's exactly what you would do? And that's why I didn't want to go to begin with. Here I am, Lord, 
but I'm not going. And that's what some of your response has been when God has spoken to you, maybe because you didn't like the assignment or you didn't like the community or the city that God wanted to send you to or you didn't like the people or love the people or the project that God wanted to associate you with. You said, here I am, Lord, but I ain't going. That ain't what I was expecting, God. That's not who I thought you were going to have me witness to. I'm ready for you to wipe them out, God. I'm ready for you. Not, not, not forgive them, not show your compassion towards them. You see, that response is one that a lot of people still give God when he calls them. But here's another response that I find in Scripture. Not just, Lord, here I am, I'm not going. But, Lord, here I am, send someone else. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah, you're not raising your hand. You're a liar in the, in the presence of God today. You're just a liar, and the truth ain't in you. Here I am, Lord, send someone else. And when I think about that response, I think about Moses. And over in Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses because his people have been oppressed by the Egyptians. They have been a nation of slaves to the Egyptians, and they cry out to God in their oppression. And God says, okay, I'm going to raise up a man who's going to lead my people out from under Pharaoh's bondage and out from under Pharaoh's oppression. And so he goes to Moses and says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? What was his response? God, I don't have what it takes. God, I don't speak well. You know that I stutter when I talk. God, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have the gifts to do what it is that you are calling me to do. But God, my brother does. Aaron does. So Lord, instead of sending me, send my brother. Here I am, Lord, but send somebody else. But then there is a third response that we see in Scripture, and it comes from an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. And that is the prayer that says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Because listen to what Isaiah said when he was called by the Lord. He said, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Not here I am, I'm not going. Not here I am, send somebody else. But Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Now what does it take to get to that place where Isaiah came to? A place of total surrender. A place of absolute submission to the call of God in his life. There's three things, and I want you to write them down this morning. They all come from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 that lead up to verse 8 that I just read to you. And if you want to come to a place of total, full submission and surrender so that when God speaks and calls you, you say, here I am, send me. Here's where it begins. It begins when you have a genuine experience with the presence of God. 
You, you want to know why I'm so adamant when people come in here on Sunday morning to experience the presence of God? Because when you truly experience the presence of God, your life is transformed. Your attitude is transformed. You are never the same again when you walk outside the presence of Almighty God. And listen to what Isaiah said here in verses 1 through 3. He said, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, oh, I love this, that I saw the Lord. Amen. He said, I saw the Lord. And notice, he said, he was sitting on a lofty throne. Now, let me tell you who he's talking about here. He's, he's encountering, he is experiencing a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. He has been ushered into the throne room of God. And he sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was sitting on a lofty throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, when did this happen? That's important. He said it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Well, who was King Uzziah? King Uzziah was the king over Israel for 52 years. Get this, young people. He started reigning as king when he was 16 years old over an entire nation. So don't you let anybody tell you you're too young to reign and to rule and to make an impact in this world. Amen? And you can lead other people. I don't even care. If you're only 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, God can still use you to influence positively other people's lives. Amen? So he's 16 years old. He rules for 52 years. And the Bible says this about Isaiah. It said that he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. He was a good king. He was a godly king. But now he's died. And here Isaiah is thinking, what are we going to do now? The king is dead. Our godly king is dead. Our good king that has reigned for 52 years is dead. But notice, it was in the midst of this tragedy that he saw the Lord. And isn't it amazing sometimes that that's when we encounter the presence of God most. It's during a time of tragedy or during a time of real adversity or during a time of real opposition and Isaiah said in that year of tragedy when King Uzziah had died and we're wondering what's going to happen next he said that's when I saw the Lord and he was seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple in other words he got his perspective straight king with a little k might be dead but king with a big in heaven he is still alive he is still on his throne and he is still in complete control and he said here's what I saw attending him were mighty seraphim each having six wings with two wings they covered their faces with two they covered their feet and with two they flew they were calling out to each other holy 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 is the Lord of heaven's armies the whole earth is filled with his glory you see when you you get into the presence of God you are never the same again when you get into the presence of God your life has been completely transformed I've had a lot of people ask me over the years as a pastor pastor have you ever been tempted to quit have you ever wanted to quit and you know I can honestly stand before you this morning after thinking about this I've never really wanted to quit I've never been tempted to quit. 
Now, there have been some times I didn't think I was going to survive. But I've never been tempted to quit. After we left our first church that we had the honor to go back and speak at a few weeks ago. And I've shared the story with you before. I'm not going to go into it, but I left that place weary. When we got into that building program, me being 25 years old, Jamie being 21 years old, and all of the other spiritual warfare that we were encountering, there was a point in time at that place when I wondered, are we going to survive this? I mean, are we going to live through this? And we left that place. When we left, I was weary. I was burnt out. I was tired. I'll be honest with you. I left thinking that I would never do what I knew without a doubt God had called me to do, and that was to be a pastor. I left thinking I would never do that again because of how weary, because of the toll that it took on me. And for the next six years... We were state youth and discipleship directors, two years in the state of Kansas. And when we were in the state of Kansas, I wondered if we were going to survive physically. When your salary is $750 a month and you got two children and a wife and your rent is $650, $675 a month, let me tell you something. You better know you heard from God because there's going to be some days when that's all you've got to fall back on. Is that word from God. And then we went to Ohio for four years, and it was 1998, the beginning of 1998, that I began to feel the Lord stir in my spirit. You're not doing what I've called you to do. And so I went into a time of extended prayer and fasting. I mean real fasting, days with nothing but water to drink. But you know what? I never got hungry. Because I was so hungry for his presence. And I was so hungry for his direction. And it was at the beginning of 1998 when I encountered the Lord. Unlike I had ever encountered him before. And it was in a little corner office. Just north of Akron, Ohio, that every morning I would get up and I would go to that office and I would spend time in the presence of the Lord and I had a a little CD with some worship songs on it that I would play and listen to every morning. And it was in those moments, in the presence with God, that God reminded me of the call that he had placed upon my life. And it was there that I once again renewed my commitment to him to go wherever it was that he wanted me to go and to be whatever it was that he wanted me to be and it was then that the Lord opened the door for us to go to Atlanta, Georgia where we would pastor at Life Church for the next 19 years and we would see God do some amazing miraculous, marvelous things. It was was an enjoyable season of ministry but what was it that transformed me? What was it that got me back on the right track? It was when I got into the presence of Almighty God I think about Moses when God appeared to Moses and Moses is out on the backside of a desert tending his father-in-law's sheep thinking that God's purpose and plan for his life was over but then all of the sudden one day he sees a bush that's burning but it's not consumed and it got his attention and when he went over towards it and looked upon it all of the sudden the voice of the Lord began to come out of that bush and speak to Moses this 
man that felt like he was incapable. This man that felt like he didn't have the gifts, the talents, and the abilities. He encountered the presence of God that day because the Lord spoke to him and said, take your shoes off because the ground that you're standing on today is holy ground. And listen to me, Moses would never be the same after that. Moses would walk out from that encounter with God, a changed man, ready to do what God had called him to do. I'm telling you this morning, the only way you can get to a place of complete submission and surrender to the call of God is you have got to encounter, genuinely encounter the presence of the Lord and you will never be the same. Never be the same. So I've got to genuinely encounter the presence of God. Here's the second thing. If I'm going to come to that place that Isaiah did, I have got to have a genuine awareness of my sinfulness. That's that's what Isaiah did. Then he said this. He's in the presence of the Lord now. And he said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I am a sinful man. You see, when you get into the presence of a holy God... It's then that you realize how unholy you are. When you get into the presence of a righteous God that you recognize how unrighteous you are. You can can get into the presence of some so-called holy, righteous people. And you can walk away from that encounter feeling pretty good about yourself. Well, compared to them, I'm doing pretty well. But that doesn't happen when you have a genuine encounter with a holy, righteous God. Uh Uh-uh. Because when you realize that he is the standard of holiness and righteousness before us, you walk out of that encounter just like Isaiah. I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. The same thing happened when Peter, the, the, the disciple of Jesus, when he got into the presence of Jesus. It says that when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's when you get into his presence that you get a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. And here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, I have filthy lips. I have unclean lips. Well, did that just mean that his lips had dirt on them? No. You got to remember what the Bible says. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he said, if my things, the things coming out of my mouth, he said, if that's unclean, it's because I have an unclean heart. I have an unclean spirit. That's why the Bible says that we are to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. And so when he was saying that I am a man of unclean lips, he was saying this wouldn't be coming out of my mouth if it wasn't in my heart. And then notice what he said. He said, that's it. I'm doomed. I'm a dead man. Because I know the scripture says that no man has ever seen the Lord and lived. Especially a man that's a sinner like me. Especially a man whose lips are as unclean and whose heart is as unclean as mine. He said, I'm doomed. I might as well get ready. God is about to strike me dead because of my sin. Oh, but something then happened that he was totally unexpected. Because the third thing that he teaches us that we must have or do 
If we're going to come to a place of complete submission to the call of God on our lives is this, and that means it takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. A genuine understanding because here here Isaiah is talking about how sinful he is, talking about how unclean his lips are. And he's waiting to be struck dead in the presence of the Lord. But instead, it says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar. This is the sacrificial altar in the temple of God that represents the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. And he said, He flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said see this coal has touched your lips now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven he was expecting to die in the presence of the Lord but instead he lived in the presence of God unlike he had ever lived before because as soon as that coal touched his lips he was made holy he was made righteous and that angel spoke to him and said your guilt is removed moved your sins are forgiven you know when I think about the grace and the mercy of God I think that there is punishment that I deserve because of my sins I think that there is punishment that I deserve because of the wickedness of my heart I think that there is punishment that I deserve because of the sin of my life but I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of God because God's mercy says he's not going to give me what I deserve and God's grace says he's going to turn right around and bless me with something that I don't deserve. Now listen, if you've experienced a God like that, if you've encountered a God of love and grace and mercy like that, then how in the world when he speaks to you and says, who am I going to sin? How can you say, I'm not going? How can you say, send somebody else? No, when you have a real genuine understanding of the grace and the mercy and the love of God, then when he calls you, all you can do, all you can say is in response is, Lord, I'm grateful for your love. I'm grateful for your mercy. I'm grateful for your grace. I know I wouldn't be here today if it were not for you. So yes, Lord, I'll go. Send me. Send me. It'll be my joy to go, Lord. It'll be my privilege to go out of because of everything that you've done for me. I want to serve you listen to what Paul says here in first in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 go back to that a moment with Isaiah notice he says this after he has this encounter with the Lord after he has a, a genuine encounter with the presence of the Lord and after he has a genuine awareness of his own sin and a genuine understanding of God's grace then he says here I am Lord Send me. Now, I want you to notice what he didn't say. And I hear this a lot of time from young men and women that feel that God's calling them into ministry. I I even have some peers in the ministry that I've heard them pray things like this. But but this is is what Isaiah didn't say. He didn't say, okay, Lord, send me. As long as if, if the weather's, if it's a good climate... Lord, send me as long as it's a place where housing is affordable. 
Here's one I hear. Lord, send me, but I really don't want to go more than 30 miles away from my hometown. I just want to stay kind of close. And all of these ifs and ands and buts and conditions. You don't hear Isaiah saying that. He just says, Lord, send me. Notice at this point, he doesn't even know where he's going. He doesn't even know what it is that God's going to have him say. I think I was 17 years old when this happened to me for the first time when I heard the voice of the Lord calling me into full-time ministry. And I'm not saying that he's calling you into a full-time ministry today. However, I believe we're all full-time ministers. I believe we as followers of Jesus, we're always on the clock. We're always being light. But I was 17 years old when I accepted the call. It was in my junior year that the Lord began to deal with my heart. And I was in a revival at the Alabaster Church of God and evangelist Sam Luke was preaching. And at the end of his message, he looked at me and he said, Victor, come here. I knew what was coming. I'd ran from it. I'd fought it. It's not really what I chose for my life. But he called me up and as soon as I got up there, he began to just pray over me in the spirit. And then he began to interpret. I, the Lord God, have called you and anointed you and ordained you and went on and on and on with the word from the Lord. That was just confirmation, stuff that I had heard before. But for some reason that night, I heard it for the first time. Let me tell you what I did. That night I went home. I got a piece of paper blank sheet of paper and then right down at the bottom where it just said sign here that's all I put on it and I put my name I said here Lord you you fill in the rest wherever you want me to go whatever you want me to do whatever you want me to say because you see that's what he requires from us not all these conditions not a contract It's a blank sheet of paper, and you sign it. You're saying, yes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, whoever you want me to be, wherever you want me. God, if you want me to work in the nursery, I'll go work in the nursery. Man, if he says to you, I want you to work in children's ministry, all right, I'll work in children's ministry. Lord, I'm just going to sign this, and then you fill it in. You tell me what to do. Now you understand why this is a dangerous prayer that very few people pray because they want control. Too many folks want control. Too many folks want to be able to dictate what God does with their life. And I'm telling you something, when you've had a genuine encounter with the presence of God, none of that means a hill of beans anymore. And you walk out of that place saying, Lord, send me. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.